0: But it's really like getting in front of people and building like solid relationships where you potentially could add value in the future. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host,
1: Benoit Thangin. And I'm your co-host, Lee Wang. Let's get into it.
0: Hello,
1: Mavericks, and welcome to our latest episode. And the reason you just heard our Spanish intro is because we're hot on the heels of Benoit's trip to Colombia. So, Benoit, how, is, how was
0: it? It was an amazing trip. I mean, I just got back three days ago and I was there for two and a half weeks at a conference in Bogota, Colombia, and I actually spoke at the conference about international finance. Is financing. it Bogota or Bogota? Bogota. Is Sorry. It? Oh, I thought yeah. you were correcting me.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've become uh, Americanized since I've been back for the past three days. So I have incorporated the American translation.
1: So what also. were your uh, big takeaways from the conference? I think in Latin America, in South
0: America, Colombia is very new to solar, which Mm -hmm. is exciting. There's potentially going to be a lot of growth. The government is actually having a tender for energy where they provide long-term contracting, and I think you're going to see a lot of solar being developed in Colombia in a very short period of time. Predominantly, most of the generation has been in hydroelectricity, but they want to diversify their resources, and solar is a great way to do that.
1: So you spoke at the conference. What was the topic you were addressing there?
0: Sure. So I spoke about international financing, and uh, basically we were talking about I have international investors who are interested in investing in international projects, and really we were talking about what sort of projects we think that are going to be developed. One of the kind of points that I made was bilateral PPAs, which you basically are building solar on companies a headquarters or and offering them reduced electricity that that was going to be the easiest way there's a tender that I mentioned that's going to happen next year and that's a little challenging mm-hmm. because the term of the tender which is basically only going to be 10 years also it's denominated in Colombian pesos right. not US dollars so there's currency risk also you don't know who the off-taker is going to be it's kind of like an auction process. There are some concerns with the current program. And, mm-hmm. and what was great about the conference, which is El Tour Solar Columbia, held by Solar Plaza, which did an amazing job, was that everyone acknowledged that there could be some difficulties with the tender. But I think companies that are comfortable with the risk and get comfortable and they meet their return requirements, it could be a great opportunity for them.
1: That's amazing. It sounds like there's a lot of opportunity with some hard work to put in there to um, gain some traction there.
0: Definitely. It's never easy, and especially yeah. it's a new market yeah. that nothing's been done yet. So um, it's really kind of coming up with creative solutions, and it was exciting to, as well after the conference. I met with uh, several developers yeah. as well who are developing various projects in Colombia.
1: So, Benoit, you speak Spanish pretty well. Part of our program is about entrepreneurship and skills. And did you learn Spanish in high school? Was it earlier? Or or some people take a little bit of Spanish here and there. What led you to kind of stick with it? Definitely.
0: So it's interesting. Actually, Spanish was one of the first languages that I learned because um, at the time, you know, my parents were working all the time and my babysitter was Puerto Rican. She couldn't speak English. So I would. So it goes that deep. It goes that deep. Okay. Uh, My knowledge of Spanish. But then I took five years from middle school to high school. And then I took four semesters when I was an undergrad at NYU. I would say I, I have like a working knowledge of Spanish. I used to be fluent, but definitely when I'm in a Spanish speaking country, you know, I pick it up. It is challenging though when you're at these sort of technical conferences, you can get lost. So depending on what the conversation's about, they do have like headphones that are actually translating the Spanish to English. So sometimes I would be using that or Google Translate or some other things to be able to communicate it. In Colombia, I mean not many people are fluent Spanish speakers. So even in the conference, there are people who, who weren't who are not able to speak English. So definitely, you know, knowing the language and I have to improve and continue learning and getting better on the language side of it and keep practicing. You necessita practicar mucho. Lo siento. <laughs>
1: Even I understood that. <laughs> so, Benoit, how much was it more of an advantage for you to have, be able to go down there and, and make connections with people having, being able to have a command of the language?
0: So I think it makes a difference if yeah. you're even if you're not able to speak really technically about yeah. stuff, just to have like basic conversations. People appreciate it. People right. appreciate it. And then it's a small world. I mean, in our panel, there were two other people from New York. they are people that I know from the solar industry in the U.S. who are also in the, in the conference. So definitely, you know, I think having a working knowledge of the language definitely makes a huge difference because, you know, you are able to communicate with people directly instead of through a translator which i've had the experience before because we've done work actually in vietnam and um in vietnam there's been times where i would just be working with the translator and i don't really know right. much vietnamese compared to spanish
1: actually tell us a little bit about some of the projects you've looked at in southeast asia you know while we're on the topic here
0: sure so renew energy you know we predominantly focus on the u.s but we have done stuff internationally and in asia i am of indian descent but i was born in the u.s so we actually helped one of the biggest solar manufacturers in india with their strategy of selling panels in the u.s uh there was actually a tariff Mm -hmm. that the u.s has put on foreign panel manufacturers and they had an exemption for India. So there was definitely an opportunity. Then we've looked at projects in Thailand, Vietnam, and the Philippines, and really from the perspective of financing these projects or creating a financial and technical feasibility report for bank financing. So we've looked predominantly in the Philippines and Vietnam. The Vietnam, because they have like a 20-year PPA with the government or feed-in tariff at 9.2 cents, government denominated. The Philippines as well had a feed-in tariff, and they have a lot of solar irradiance and high electricity costs so that's kind of the work that we've been doing in Asia, and then more recently this year we've been trying to develop opportunities in basically south america the caribbean so i was at a conference that solar plaza hosted in argentina in buenos aires in april and then i'm here at their conference in in november uh, well this past november in colombia i mean we don't have any experience doing projects in South America, but the knowledge that we have from developing projects in the U.S., really international companies really appreciate that because we do have a lot of experience with development of these projects and and financing of these projects. So
1: You know, what you said about doing business in India is, is interesting to me did the company you work with in India have any biases towards you because of your background or your descent or, you know, how do it's, it's interesting because when I go to China and I do business with anyone in China and I'm, chi- I'm Chinese in case any of you Mavericks are wondering. Lee Wang. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> sorry, just <laughs> exactly. <kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> it's the John Smith of China. Yeah. Wang. I mean, yeah. obviously is a very common, yeah, so, uh, Chinese. No, experience. sometimes they actually have a different bias where, they would rather work with what they would consider a, a, like a foreign face, right? Even yeah. it, it, and I'm just curious to know what your experiences are, you know, in Indian culture and your, in your limited dealings, right? And, and you know, we, we talk a lot about things outside of so just business in general, but sure. international relations is something, you know, we're, we're, we we want to discuss.
0: That's actually interesting you asked that question because with the panel manufacturer in India, they're actually a publicly traded company as well. And they actually interviewed a lot of CEOs of other solar companies. And they said it was actually very hard to find someone of Indian descent who was a CEO of a solar company. Mm-hmm. And they met maybe 20 to 30 people. Right. And they decided... To have me help them out with it, they felt like the knowledge that I had about the industry, but also culturally as well, yeah. you know, being of Indian descent, I understand like the cultural norms and how things are, are kind of supposed to be done, but also can do business in the U.S. because I was born in the U.S. And I think also being of Indian descent, it actually helps with business in Asia. Because it's funny, they don't actually look at me as an American. They look at me as Indian in and mean, similar culture.
1: Southeast Asia. Southeast, Southeast Asia. Asia. Even okay.
0: Japan, we've you know had meetings in Japan as well. So I mean, I think, and that's part of the reason why we focused on Asia just because of the network of connections we have and also more of the comfort that they have of doing business from our experience or from my experience specifically. Yeah. And even in South America... I was just going to ask you,
1: what's that that perception there? So
0: it's interesting. I mean, people assumed I was south american either colombian or brazilian only very few people were asking me one person actually said i looked indian right. they haven't seen many <laughs> Indians, <laughs> but based on movies she said right uh and this by the way is we're talking in spanish about right. this so yeah i mean i think as well it has helped in south america as well because you know i can speak the language and then they assume that i'm from colombia or brazil or South American descent, right. which I think helps with business. So,
1: And that Columbia panel you spoke on, you talked a lot about financing projects, and I know that's a lot of what you do. Can you just expand a little bit more about that part of your business and how you help people out with financing?
0: Sure. So we basically represent investors who, and we basically refer them opportunities of projects that we think that they're going to be interested in. We actually recently closed 11 megawatts of... And for
1: uh, people who don't understand what the significance of that, can you explain that? 11 megawatts.
0: Oh, sure. So basically megawatts represent like the system size and this is a big project this is a big project so like one of them was actually 6.5 megawatts in massachusetts under the smart program which is a new feed in tariff incentive and that's actually one of the biggest utility scale projects meaning it's like a solar farm another one was actually 4.2 megawatts in rhode island so we basically met with the developer, thought that it was a great project opportunity for our investor based on what they're looking for. And then we made the introduction. Our investor agreed that these were good project opportunities and and moved it forward and, and basically purchased the projects. Now, what we're seeing actually that's happening is that investment firms are now There's two things happening. Returns for U.S. solar projects are going down. So what we're seeing is like the 20-year unlevered, meaning that there's no debt on the project level, 20-year IRR is around 6 to 7%. So for private equity firms that have requirements of double digit requirements, we're seeing that they're either getting involved earlier in the project, not at construction ready, or they're willing to look at international projects. So we're seeing actually a lot of U.S. money considering investing in projects outside of the United States. And we're actually talking to several sort of private equity firms and infrastructure funds that want us to help originate the opportunities. And obviously, if you have project opportunities and you want us to uh, look at it, please feel free to contact us at info at renewenergy.com, I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U energy.com.
1: So, Benoit, I've noticed that you make it a priority to attend a lot of conferences and participate in it. What are your tips for people on how to get the most out of, you know, an industry conference, you know, besides just networking? But in your experience, what are the best ways to make sure that, you know, it costs money to travel, costs money to attend these conferences with the fees, the accommodations, how does one make sure that they're prepared and get the most out of these things in general?
0: I think it's really about the networking aspect of it, not necessarily the content. Obviously, the content is extremely important. Like I learned a lot. I didn't have prior experience about the Columbia market that now I do from the conference, but it's really like getting in front of people, building like that relationship which takes time and building like solid relationships. so it's not just picking up business cards and then emailing it but really building like that strong relationship and then where you potentially could add value in the future and then really trying to set up meetings potentially if the conference gives you the information beforehand which you know i did set up meetings beforehand obviously if you could speak as well like for example Mm -hmm. speaking at this conference led to other meetings right because they were interested with what I had to say based on the panel discussion and wanted to meet further. So it's really kind of building connections with people and learning as much as you can. Like obviously the presentations are great too, but you could also learn from the interactions that you have with the different program or conference participants.
1: So how did you present your qualifications in order to become a speaker? Tell us about, about that process. Sure. So it's interesting. It actually depends
0: like conference to conference and the organization. For this one, like I went to Solar Plaza's event in Argentina back in April and built a strong relationship with Rick from Solar Plaza, who will actually is on our podcast. And you'll hear an episode where he talks about Latin American markets and... So I, you know, sent him information about our company, you know, what we're actually doing where we we do have investors are interested in investing in projects. He said that, hey, we have a, a panel opening for international financiers. You know, maybe you could add perspective on that. So that's how it kind of came out. It's really kind of taking that initiative, asking for that. Rick and I have built a great relationship since meeting in Argentina and, uh, so that's how the solar plaza won. You know, obviously, I've spoken at other conferences as well, but I think it's all kind of unique and depending. And obviously, the easiest way to speak at a conference is sponsoring the event. Right. So uh, that's
1: yeah. a, that's the secret, right? Well, <laughs> it's interesting.
0: I mean, I didn't actually sponsor the event, but I did speak at the event. Okay. So not I'm not person. all not everyone who's speaking at the event is sponsoring the event.
1: You talked a little bit about going beyond getting the business card and, and, and follow up. What are some ways to initiate that meeting? What, what are some keys to success there? Do you say something about how you can help them, oh, or yeah. what, what? What are some ways that takes you to the next level beyond the intro?
0: So the great thing that actually Solar Plaza did for this event is like four days before the event, basically provided you the name of the attendees, what company they're with, what they're doing. So you did your research. Yeah. So basically pre-conference, I went through the list. And for me, like at least at this conference, this was really to meet with developers who potentially would have projects to finance. So then, you know, I basically reached out to them and uh, said that, hey, I have – you know, US money Who's potentially interested in investing. This is kind of my experience. You know, you also create your own profile with your picture and bio as well. So, you know, I spend time with that. And then I reached out to them before the conference to see if they can meet at the time. Obviously, other people are reaching out to me too, as well for, you know, different reasons why they think that they, we could partner together.
1: I think I've noticed that you've also put a lot of effort. Not only in just the speaking engagements, but with content and developing yourself as an expert, right? And, or at least a known expert, right? Yes. Talk a little bit about why that's important to you and how you've managed to achieve that. Because it seems like every time I, you have something, you're you're in a position of, of either moderating a panel or speaking, and it probably took some work to get to that level.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, this didn't happen overnight. Renew Energy was started six years ago. You know, before that, I worked at you know, Solar City slash Tesla, a company called Vanguard Energy Partners Renew, sorry, <laughs> Ridgewood Renewable Power, not Renew, and Deloitte and Touche. So I think over time, really kind of being known as an expert, for example, like we had like the publications about corporate PPAs and PV Magazine and Renewable Energy World. I think that helped actually then being the moderator at Solar Power International that happened this past September, which is like the biggest solar conference in the US. Mm -hmm. So it provided credibility. We've done work in the space. So I think the first thing is actually asking for, hey, I want to speak. This is normally what I do is like if there are conferences that I want to speak, I'll ask, hey, can I speak at that? Then they might ask for some sort of abstract or what you want to speak about, or, Hey, these are the panelists that we have already. Obviously I'm also mentioned, Hey, if you sponsor as well, you could speak as well. So um, there's definitely like conferences that I'm targeting and speaking. And I definitely, I'm really definitely at this point, like an industry expert, obviously that's why we have the solar Maverick podcast. And yeah, I think even at having this podcast actually will help as well, getting more speaking engagements. And this is an opportunity for people to kind of hear what the knowledge base is and.
1: and you also do a lot on linkedin right posting content and stating your opinions yes. does that help it
0: does surprisingly yeah. I've been posting a lot the past 5 or 6 months yeah. and it's interesting because when i go to conferences
1: People were like, because people are checking your LinkedIn. Yeah, right? like, oh why? man, yeah. the company
0: must be doing really well. Oh, I read that whole article you wrote on LinkedIn about the tariffs. I agree with you. Actually, someone wanted to meet. A tax equity investor wanted to meet for lunch. He's like, oh yeah, really? Like your LinkedIn post, and you definitely sound like a, a mover and shaker in the industry. I don't know, we don't know each other that well, but I definitely right. want to reach out. And it's kind of crazy, actually, how many people do reach out to you on LinkedIn that are not direct connections, but they've somehow read some of the unique content. Yeah, and it sounds like a
1: lot of this success has come from more of a consistent effort, right? So it sounds like what you've been doing is regular posts, keeping in front of people, and it's this consistency that is slowly building everything up.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think what ends up happening is then it starts compounding, And as I said, most of our client base are through, you know, our existing client base and referrals, but definitely, you know, there are a lot of people who are constantly reaching out to us because of that.
1: One thing I want to tell our listeners, too, is that I've been helping Benoit with his web presence since the beginning, and he tells me that he gets people who find him through search which is great news to me, but I think one thing that helps him is that he does update his website pretty regularly, either with news items or blog posts or just quick hits on things he's up to, which I you know, advise anyone out there to put in a little effort on updating your website because Google does recognize and respect relevant information on websites, and that's how you can climb in your rankings. So just make sure it's germane to your, your industry, your subject matter. But that's important, and I know Benoit does that.
0: Yeah, you know, I think the interesting thing about that is it's not about reposting other people's. It's about making unique content and giving your opinion. So I think that differentiates. And by the way, Lee Lee has been really helpful with all this because... L I at (laughs) MJ You
1: know, every every podcast does their little plugs. We we try to keep it to a minimum, but you know, it's fun. But yeah, but Lee does an amazing job.
0: I mean, he actually was the one who was really kind of pushing on the podcast ideas. You know, we've also, and I know Lee sees this, but there's also a lot of opportunities that are coming. There's yeah. been TV opportunities. There's been book opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, he's been really great yeah. at and, kind of and figuring this is, out. And this
1: actually all points back to the idea of building your personal brand. And I know we're not, not talking strictly about solar, but it's relevant to solar entrepreneurs. It's relevant to everyone these days. You know, the old Andy Warhol, you know, quote about 15 minutes of fame. Uh, is it 15 or five? 15, right?
0: I think it's 15. All right, Maybe good. I have to make sure. I, I get my uh, cliche. <laughs> that was I, back in the I 80s. I get my pop culture cliche, right? Cliche is next up. Andy Warhol, yeah. a lot of people
1: are asking. <laughs> His fame is gone, right? So 15 soup. minutes was yeah. done a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but the point being that the internet is wide open, and, and you should claim your little piece of real estate on the internet if you haven't already, and talk to us about how you want to do that. I think it's important It's important for, um, one thing we noticed uh, in Benoit's industry is, uh, in a lot of industries, you know, finance and real estate, I I work with all sorts of customers. But if you can stand out a little bit in in your personal brand, it's going to pay off hugely because you'll just get noticed a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I think as Lee, in our day of social media with Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, it's about building your personal brand and it's interesting. I think uh, there's a lot of value to that. And Lee's really kind of done a great job of pushing me to do that more, which I think yes. has been a differentiator Speaking as well. Speaking
1: of that, you know, a lot of people haven't been to Columbia. Why don't you share with our listeners about your impressions of Colombia in general, what cities you visited. Uh, you told me a little bit about, follow Benoit on Instagram because he, <laughs> he, he, he posts some great footage of this breakdancing scene. You know, tell us a little bit about the color there. You know, what what happened? Colombia w- was amazing. I mean, mo-
0: the conference and most of my meetings, I mean, really happened in Bogota, which is pretty much the capital. Obviously, like people had projects all over Colombia, but it was, you know, meeting what right now, everything in Colombia in the solar industry is pretty early. I think right now there's one project that's going to be built and then. It's going to be five megawatts worth of projects that are built in Colombia. Mind you, I just told you before, I just introduced our investor to an 11 megawatt opportunity in the U.S. and Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. We're talking about five megawatts. But I also actually went to Medellin, which is a very famous city where obviously Pablo Escobar, the famous drug lord, is from. And then I went to Cartagena, which is actually right on the water. And it's the beautiful sort of historical city. And, you know, they have beautiful beaches there. But one thing I would say, which was really impressive about Colombia is like from an economic development opportunity, it seems like it's growing substantially. A lot of the challenges that they've had in the past have gone away. You know, the new sort of government is really looking at how to economically develop the country. I think a huge thing is, there's this whole el nino effect yeah which uh so basically yeah. 60% of the generation of energy is hydroelectric and there will be periods where they have droughts so then they're not generating as much electricity so then that causes electricity prices to spike so that's why the government's having this tender an energy tender it's not just solar to basically diversify their energy sources and for any business like one of your biggest capital costs is going to be energy so any way that you could lower energy costs and have it more uniform than have these spikes that they've been having is huge and and everyone there are extremely friendly extremely smart very tr- what i like to colombians are very transparent
1: as well and so they don't waste your time
0: So, I mean, in the conference, too, like usually everyone's very lovey dovey, but there were a lot of. People and there were government officials there where they were talking about their issues that they had with this tender, okay. and I mentioned some right. of And that you normally you don't actually see yeah. in a conference. Usually everyone's like, "This is great, this is going," but yeah. you know, the cheerleading and cheerleading, rah, rah, yeah, yeah, rah rah. But people were mentioning the issues. One of the things that I mentioned that people actually appreciated was it's not the ideal sort of situation, but someone's going to figure it out. If it was so easy that everyone could do it, but there's someone who's going to figure out how to finance it if it's only a 10-year tender, how to hedge the currency risk with the Colombia Peso, how to get comfortable with the potential off-taker risk. So that's something that I think Colombia is going to be a great market. I'm excited. I'm excited about all the follow-ups that I've been having after the conference, which was about two and a half weeks ago. And, you know, reach out to us if you would like to learn more about it.
1: Yeah. So the great episode, Benoit, Uh, what is going to be happening in the next few weeks? We have the Renew Energy Holiday Party. So tell us a little bit about December and what's going to be happening in January. I know sometimes, you know you have a lot going on but let's hear about the near future
0: sure so um we're actually having our holiday party i'm sure this episode is probably gonna come
1: out january or february yeah what uh, happens at a Renew energy holiday party <laughs> what happens at a Renew energy ending. holiday yeah. party stop yeah.
0: stays at the Renew energy holiday. i'm okay. just kidding <laughs> yeah. but no uh, we're having it at hudson hall it's a yeah. czech beer garden smokehouse it's not just our holiday party it's the solar maverick launch party Next week, we'll have our sixth episode. Mm-hmm. Actually, our sixth episode is with Suzanne Waters, who's the VP of Business Development at Renew Energy. And it's just going to be a, a great event. It's at Hudson Hall, which is a Czech beer garden smokehouse in Jersey City. Which Benoit is a part owner. Uh, which I'm a part owner as, as well. And then I'm actually going to be in Asia looking at some projects, specifically in Vietnam and Philippines. I talked about the feed-in tariff. That Vietnam has, there's an expiration of that feed-in tariff in June of 2019. Even though we expect it to be extended, a lot of projects need to get financing in the near future to be able to meet that deadline. So and then there's things going on in California, we'll be in Boston as well. It's been amazing. So
1: and, and also be Benoit amazing. this past weekend got to live out one of his dreams. He was <laughs> he was able to watch his beloved New York Giants from the sidelines and tell us a little bit about that experience. That must've been amazing.
0: So that was amazing. So it was actually before the game, not on the actual sidelines during the game, but uh, I
1: thought, I thought you were in the mix. I thought you were really (laughs) making the play calls. I was joking (laughs) with Benoit that he had called the uh, touchdown where uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Threw it to uh, who was a shepherd shepherd. And uh, and, uh, now he's spoiled my, my vision of him calling the plays. But anyway, he was on the sidelines, so he got to see how the pros do it firsthand. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Sean
0: Barwin, who's Connor Barwin's brother. Connor Barwin uh, got us. Formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles. Formerly for of <laughs> the Eagles, who's now with the Giants. Yes, and uh, it was an amazing I think he had 21 experience. sacks one year. <laughs> <Something like laughs> I've that. seen him sack yeah. Eli many times, yeah. unfortunately. But uh, And I believe in Eli. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was an amazing and surreal as a fan to be on the sidelines and watching them practice.
1: Did anything strike you or that you hadn't thought of before when you were actually on the sidelines? Was scale of the game or anything you noticed just from having that vantage point?
0: It was interesting actually yeah. talking to the defensive coaches of the New York Giants Okay. and getting their opinions about uh, the Bears defense right. or the Bears offense, yeah. specifically Chase Daniel, the backup. Yeah. So it was just really kind of interesting to be talking to the coaches yeah. before the game about how they're thinking of stopping right. the Bears
1: offense. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode and we'll have more great news to share with you about the industry and also continue with our series of entrepreneur tips. Thank you, Mavericks. Buena
0: suerte, hasta la vista, baby.
1: Bye, <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us a five star review. That helps us build this community, and that's what we're all about right now building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can.